But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. That's Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 1. This is the Essential Bible Studies podcast. My name is Tim Young. Hi, Tim, and I'm Dan Robinson. Glad to be with you. It's great to have you here. Great to have a friend here and uh, somebody who's uh, interested in the things that I'm interested in, which is uh, some great Bible studies. You are involved in what's called the Bible Basics Webinar, and I wanted to congratulate you because I Googled that, Bible Basics Webinar, and you came up the top selection, (laughs) at least in Canada. You were specific in your search. (laughs) Yeah, I was very specific (laughs) in my search, but this is awesome. This is like a a Zoom kind of video aspect of what we do here on the podcast as well and get into Bible study and Bible basics. But it's a webinar. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, I think it's kind of like a parallel universe, Tim. Yeah. Because we do a webinar and we host it every Thursday evening. And it's basically a half hour where we get together and, and look at a Bible theme. And we have a presenter, we go through some Bible verses, and we try to get some interaction. But I guess the result of it is that we record the webinars and put them on our website, BibleBasicsWebinar.com. And it's a resource where people can go to and uh, learn about Bible topics and then interact with us. And it's exciting. So you do it live, but you can also, if you miss it, you can go back and look at it Absolutely. later on. Yeah, our site has a link to the YouTube channel that hosts all the videos. And then, and then we encourage people actually to come back to the site and to log in and take our Bible quizzes. And if they uh, do enough of those quizzes, we actually send them some rewards for their efforts. Oh, and, rewards. Yeah. Oh, like yeah that's, <laughs> that's, it's a good project. It's really fun okay. to be What's the website with. again? Uh, BibleBasicsWebinar.com. Well, that's easy enough. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks. Absolutely. So, Dan, you and I go back a little ways, being friends, and we share a topic in common, I found out, that we both love. You gave a, a series of studies on this for some young people, and I says, oh, you got to come on the podcast and talk <laughs> about this, because it is, again, it's an essential Bible study, I feel, and it has to do with this aspect of the providence of God. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can dig in and tell us a little bit more about what providence means. Yeah, it's an interesting word, isn't it? I don't know how often we use it in our day-to-day language. And if you actually look in the Bible, it's only there once. And yeah. it's not even in reference to God. It's the providence of a ruler. But I think the essence of providence is the invisible hand of God working in our lives. And I just love an example. I mean, in the scriptures, if we can go to examples, I think it really helps. And there's this example in the life of Elisha back in 2 Kings chapter 6. And in 2 Kings chapter 6, Elisha is in a city. And what's interesting is he's not in that city alone. He's with another person, with his servant. And they're surrounded by the Syrian army. The Syrian is around them with all their chariots and all their hosts. It's looking pretty dire. (laughs) Yeah, not good at all. And in fact, his servant says to him, you know, what are we going to do? And Elisha says, you just got to open your eyes, because if your eyes are opened, you'll see that the city is surrounded by other chariots and other horses and their chariots of fire. Mm. They're (laughs) They're not the Syrian army. This is the chariots of God. And I almost get this perception that Elisha could see God's chariots everywhere he went. 
Right. I, I don't think literally, but uh, he basically had an awareness of God working in his life. Yeah. And I, that's pretty cool. That is cool. And I think that's the importance of this is that we have to realize that God's in our life. Yeah, you know, you'll kind of say that, but really to get to the essence of it is to realize that there's angels that are at work, even in our lives. Mm-hmm. I think of Psalm 34, verse 7, where it says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. This aspect of always keeping in mind that God is in our lives, that he's active, that he's not somewhere far removed. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Bible is just very pointed that God is very active. Yeah. In my uh, study of providence, you know, you're kind of like to look up the words and try to figure out where it comes from. And because the word's not really there in the Bible very often. Yeah. You could go to a dictionary and look what it says, but if you look at the Latin roots of the word providence, it comes from two words, one meaning to be ahead. Okay, pro is the word ahead. And videre, I'm probably saying that wrong, but it means to see. Okay. So providence is really to see ahead of time. And that's what God can do that we can't do. Right. So God can see in advance what's going to happen. And he can direct our lives because of that ability that he has. Right. Yeah. Now, there is actually a book, I think, that we share on this topic, a love of of a book, and it's called The Ways of Providence. The author is Robert Roberts. Mm -hmm. This book was written in 1881, so it's been around a while. My copy was printed in 1980. It has this cool kind of 1970s look to it. But this is one of those few books that I remember reading. And that's why I think it makes it one of my favorite books. It's because like over 30 years ago, probably dating myself. But I remember reading this book and just every page, just turning it over and going, wow, I I didn't think about that before, but that's right. In scripture, there's so many examples of God invisibly working behind the scenes, unbeknownst to people, and moving events in their favor or sometimes for good, sometimes for bad, right? And this book, I can't recommend it enough. I think it really impacted my life. Yeah, I read it as a young person, and it changed my life, really, just to open my eyes to how God works. And the author of the book, he doesn't just give his ideas. He just goes through scriptural events, basically starting in Genesis, isn't it? And then he goes through book by book. Yeah, person by person. Yeah. yeah, And points out the various aspects of God's providence. And by the time he gets to the New Testament, I think he's covered all the principles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's uh, It's it's a really really good book. Mm -hmm. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. So if anybody's interested, but he wrote two books, he wrote one on miracles and he wrote one on providence, right? It's a good distinction, actually, the two books that he writes, because Today, in our lives, I think God works a lot more by providence than he does by miracles. Right. But it's important to have the miracles first, because if we didn't have any of the miracles that are described in the Bible, we might not have any confidence that there was a God working in our Mm, lives. Okay. So I think it's maybe useful just to sort of think for a minute the separation between miracles and providence. And I have an example that I think would be worth looking at in John chapter 9. I'll just turn there in my Bible. It's in the life of Jesus, and there's actually a miracle that he does in John 9. I'll just start reading in verse 1. It says, And he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, 
And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, with the word for teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And so Jesus goes on to heal this man. It's it's quite a, a remarkable circumstance. Yeah. He, I don't know if you remember, he takes some spit yeah. and makes clay out of the dust of the ground yeah. and puts it on his eyes. Right. Yeah, we wouldn't call that providence. That's a miracle. <laughs> That's yeah. a, a definitely Evident a miracle. miracle. Yeah. The man has to go and has to have faith to go wash his eyes in the yeah. pool of Siloam. So where's the providence here? Well, I think the providence is the fact that this man was blind since his birth. Oh, okay. You know, Jesus yeah. could have taken a man that had become blind the week before and healed him. But he says to the disciples, um, they're trying to figure out, you know, who made the mistake, who sinned, his parents or him. And, yeah. and we won't go into that topic. Yeah. That's a different one. But you can see what he says there in verse 3. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So the way I see it is that God knew in advance that this man was going to come in contact with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so everything that happened in his life, the Bible has kind of given us this clue that that was under God's direction. So these yeah. parents would have a baby that was born blind. Yeah. That was God's providence. They yeah. wouldn't know it at the time. Right. They wouldn't know it until, you know, how old is this man? Is he 20? That's a lot of time that God was directing events yeah. so that he could then perform this miracle. Yeah, that's a really good example because in our lives, something might happen to us and we'll really question or wonder why. But if we have faith that it's God's hand at work, we might not get the answer till years later. Absolutely. How often do you look back in your life and then realize that that was something that God was accomplishing in your life? Right. Mm -hmm. right. Now, is everything providence, do you think? Does the Bible talk about things that are maybe not the hand of God? Or how are we supposed to look at this? Like, is, is everything <laughs> is everything that I – this is a part where I really kind of struggle with it, I guess. Yeah, when I've had conversations with people about providence, I think that's really where it, it gets challenging. There are some helpful advice in Ecclesiastes where it describes something like time and chance – Probably everyone's familiar with Ecclesiastes talking about a time for this and a time for that. Yeah. Uh, but it's in chapter 9 that there's a contrast made. And, and sometimes in Ecclesiastes, you read it and you think, well, that's contradictory. One verse says one thing and the next verse almost sounds like <laughs> it's saying the opposite. Do you find yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and so you, you kind of have to balance them. and find, Yeah. Yeah, you get that in chapter 9. So if I read for you two verses, let me take you to verse 1. It says, all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. So that was our introductory verse. We thought that was the verse yeah. that summed up what providence was. So there's your life in God's hand. In other words, he's directing and guiding your life. But if you come down to verse 11, it almost seems like things are reversed. He says, I saw under the sun... The race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. Mm. So which is it? Is your life in the uh. hand of God, or <laughs> does time and chance happen? Right. It you is contradictory, <laughs> like you're saying. So what do well, you see in that? Well, I think there's... 
there's something really important when you read very closely there. There's a lot of similarity in the language. But what's missing in verse 11, that second verse that's all to do with time and chance, is that there's no reference to the righteous. Ooh, okay. Okay, I see what you mean because it says, I saw that under the sun, and that's kind of a really pointed phrase in Ecclesiastes to say it's under heaven. It's not. I think that usually refers to people who don't have God in their lives for the most part. um, Right. When it says that phrase. Hmm. Um, So, you know, these people are wise, they're intelligent, and they have knowledge, but they're not exactly righteous. So their lives, I think, are going to be governed more by time and chance. Not to say that God won't ever intervene. Right. But if we're trying to live according to God's principles, I believe the Bible teaches that God is going to be much more involved in our lives. So yeah, I see that in verse 1 that you brought up. It mentions that the righteous and the wise, their deeds are in the hand of God. Mm -hmm. So is that what you're saying? Because the wicked are not mentioned there. Absolutely. And I think the wise are those that are wise in the things of God as opposed to the things of the world. The things of the world, Mm -hmm. right. I have my copy of The Ways of Providence here, that book we mentioned before, and I'd just like to read a paragraph because he mentions this passage, Ecclesiastes 9, verse 11 here, and this is the way he writes about it. He says, quote, There is such a thing as chance, as distinct from what God does. The Bible declares this, Ecclesiastes 9, verse 11, and the experience of every day teaches it. Every moment teems with the incidents of chance, The whirl of a cloud of dust before the windy gust coming around the corner of the house illustrates the point. God has control of all chance, but all chance is not controlled. It is controlled when his purpose requires it. His purpose does not require him to decide which shells every or any child on the seashore shall pick up and which throw away, unless the incident be a link in the purpose being worked out, and then the hand of the child will be guided. This illustration touches a great fact, which it is important to see clearly. Yes. That's that paragraph. That's an awesome quote. The part I have underlined is, God has control of chance, but not all chance is controlled by God. Right. Yeah. That's That's, helpful. Now, how do we figure that out? (laughs) Yeah. That's the harder part, I think, in our life. It definitely uh, seeing is. That. But I, I think what you're saying is if we put our faith and trust in God, he's saying that he is going to act in our life, even though we might not see it exactly. uh, in a miracle form. Right? I think of Proverbs chapter 3. Just read for you three verses here from Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. See, that's the power of providence is to believe that that God can control your life and you don't always trust in yourself. And then this is the key one here. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, Yeah. there's God directing our paths. If we acknowledge him, if we trust in him, if we're not always thinking that we're the ones that can accomplish things. And then verse 7 kind of links back to Ecclesiastes. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So there's the difference between being wise in our own ways or in our own eyes versus the wisdom that we have when we turn to the Word of God. Yeah. When you're saying that, I think of the example of like David and Saul. There's like two characters in the Bible that 
you can see the hand of God working kind of both ways in their life. And there's specifically like a passage in 1 Samuel 18, verse 12, it says that Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. And the whole context and the reason behind that was because Saul was following his own selfish ways and and what he thought was right. And God departed from him. He wasn't with him. And with David, it was the opposite. David acknowledged God in his life and that he was really relying on God. And therefore, God was with David. Yeah. There came a time later in Saul's life where he wanted God's direction, but because he had turned completely away from him, yeah. God didn't even answer his prayer. Right. Which, uh, it's very know, sad. It is. Yeah. And it points to the fact that we can, I guess, by our actions, influence how much God is going to work in our life. If we draw close to him, then he'll work in a greater degree in our life. And right. If we turn from him, well, then he might leave us to our own devices, as it were. One of the things, though, I think we can't assume on God is if we're following him, that everything's going to be like peachy keen after <laughs> that, you know. And I've had people in my life who who've thought that if I just get baptized, everything will be great and life will be wonderful. But it's just not that way. I think when we talk about the providence of God, it's really about God working our lives, whether that is good or bad. Right? Absolutely. In fact, and to your point, there's other people who actually stop believing in God because things go difficult in their life. Ah, they, yeah. That's they believe the danger, that he's not yeah. there anymore. So I think the classic example in the Bible is that of Job, right? who suffered so many things. You just read chapters one and two of Job and see the successive things that happened to him where he he lost his family, he lost all his possessions, and then he loses his health. And I'm amazed at what he says to his wife in chapter two. His wife looks at everything that happens to him and says, you, you know, you should curse God and die. In other words, yeah. <laughs> you know, God's not working in your life. How can you believe that? And he says, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God? And shall we not receive evil? So God's going to send some challenges in our life. And yeah. that's still his providence. I think we should see that too as the hand of a loving God because he's trying to correct us in, in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's just so many examples of this. You know, I think maybe of like Jacob's life. Here is somebody in Genesis who you can just see the providence or the hand of God in his life. And he knew it too, I think. In Genesis 28 and verse 15, he is being forced to kind of flee in his life due to the circumstances. And it's a moment like where we really turn to God. And he does. And in verse 15, this is God speaking to Jacob. He says, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And then Jacob awakes from his sleep. He had this vision in a dream, God speaking to him, saying, I'm going to be with you. And Jacob, from that point, makes a vow. In verse 20, he says, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And so Jacob was always looking out to see how God was working in his life. And he says, if I come through all this, I'm, I know that God's my God. Hmm. So all the things that happened to him. You'd almost think from that promise from God that he would expect a, 
charmed life, you know, that yeah. everything's going to be perfect and yeah. everything I do is going to turn into gold. But I actually made a list of what happened to him after that point. He he moves out to where Laban is and he's tricked at his wedding, you know, yeah. doesn't get to marry who he thinks he's marrying, has to serve 14 years for those two wives. He says that Laban changed his wages 10 times. And it wasn't like a raise 10 <laughs> times. That's it a was, bad employer. Yeah. yeah, he was switching it up and saying, no, I'm going to take this because, you know, that's prospering. And he has to flee from Laban for his life. Um, one of his wives dies in childbirth. His daughter goes after the men of the land. And the actions of his son cause him to flee from the men of Shechem. It's just incredible. Everything in his life. His children sell Joseph to slavery. Oh, yeah. And how long did he have to think that Joseph was dead oh, until he... Terrible losing didn't... a child like that, but then realizing that he's still alive years afterwards. Yeah, and then he hears that there's food in Egypt, and he has to send his other son there. And he's Over. like, I don't want to send Simeon. Look what happened to Joseph. And, <laughs> yeah. And uh, he doesn't come back. You know, his life is the poster of difficulty and, and challenges. Yeah, and... It's just a wonderful attitude when he gets through all that. He never loses his faith. At one point in chapter 47 of Genesis, in verse 9, he has to come before Pharaoh, the ruler of all the earth, and he says, Few and evil have been the days of my years, of my life. But he always saw God working, and when he blesses his children later on in chapter 48, in verses 15 and, and 16, he mentions this God who has been his shepherd all his life to that day and how the angel redeemed him from all evil. Yeah. They're just lovely words and it's just a reflection of an old man looking back in his life through all the good and bad and just seeing the hand of God at work. Yeah, he didn't let any of those things overwhelm him because he knew ultimately that what God was doing, whether it seemed hard or easy, was in God's purpose, that it was God directing his life. There's a, a verse that probably a lot of our listeners know in Romans chapter 8. It says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Mm. Those are comforting words, oh, that all things work together for good. Not just the good things, the things that we are happy to have happen in our life, but even those difficult things are ultimately for our benefit. To them who are the called according to his purpose. So yeah. For those who that. love God. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think that, that reinforces what we looked at earlier, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a verse to memorize, isn't it? Keep in our heads. Can we change our introductory <laughs> verse or what? <laughs> <laughs> so you're looking at all, all these examples that were written for us. We have to believe that God works in similar ways in our life. And I can look back in my life and see God working in my life. But it's always a challenge, like... What is God working in my life, and when is it not? It's not always that easy, is it, Dan? I think that's the greatest challenge. We want to be aware of providence, but we can't assume that everything in life is providence. We still have to use the scripture and the principles of it to make decisions. Yeah. So I think there's a danger when we look at providence to assume that circumstances in our life are pointing us in a certain direction because it actually could be a test coming from God. And let me give you an example, okay? okay? So say you're in a really difficult situation where you're out of work and the bills are piling up and there's no hope of a job. 
And then suddenly out of the blue, you get a job offer. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. That Yeah. The thing, a like door's God. opening here. Yeah. yeah, door's opening. And not only that, but say that the job is closer to your family and there's a great opportunity there for you to work in God's service in this new location. Right. That looks like the hand of God, doesn't it? Yeah. When these things happen. But say you go to that job interview and you start talking with the potential employer about what he wants you to do. And you find out that it's kind of a little shady what he wants you to do. Ah. Yeah, he wants you to help him evade some taxes. I'm making up this story, but say that's what we find out. Now, is that God directing you? And you say, I'm going to take that job because he opened the door and it's in the right city and everything seems to be lining up according to what God wants. Yeah, you still can't compromise your principles. Yeah, you got to use discernment. And so there's... There's an example that I think of when, you know, I'm talking to people about providence because we're all trying to figure out where God is directing us. Yeah. And there's an example of David with Saul. I think we'll go back there again. And Saul is chasing David and Saul is angry that David's going to take over the kingdom. And David's fleeing for months and he's fearful for his life. And one night it just turns out that Saul is encamped near David. And they go out and they send spies and they find that he's asleep right there. And David can take his life at that point. Now, should he? Well, he's got a friend next to him and says, look, God said you're going to be king. Saul's no longer going to be king. And there he is right in front of you. This must be the moment. It must be the moment. Not only that, this was the second time this exact same thing happened in David's life. He's like, look, this is the time to do it. You missed your opportunity last time. (laughs) But David says, no, Saul is the Lord's anointed. Right. I can't kill the king who is anointed by God. God's going to do it in his time. Right. That's a remarkable example to me. David uses the principles of scripture and his life is still guided by that rather than assuming that the events are leading to him to what God wants him to do. Yeah, that's a great example in, in our lives. It's not always easy discerning that. Yeah, it's even neater when you go to that passage David's talking to Saul and he says, you know what? I think that God might be directing you to chase me. (laughs) So he realizes that the difficulties he's going through is actually maybe God's providence to make him a stronger person for when he actually does come to the throne. Yeah, I could think of so many incidences like that in David's life. Yeah. We have to see God at work in all of our life. As believers, we can't say that we're like, Like I'm a self-made man or I'm a self-made woman. Like I did this or I did that, right? We always have to recognize that God gave me this in my life, whether it's our education, it's our job, it's who we marry or our family or even our health, right? It all comes from God. We have to recognize that fact, right? Yeah, absolutely. So there's so many different ways that God can work in our lives. What are some of those examples, Dan? Yeah, absolutely. I think of how God uses his angels. You referenced that earlier, how the angels are encamped about us. God can control, we've seen in the scripture, nature, so Mm, that events take place, the weather, different events. But I think one of the interesting things that's worth thinking about as we think about providence is that God might actually use you and I to be the influence of providence in someone else's life. Mm. I don't know if you thought about that, but uh, it's a big responsibility now. And I think it also... So the things that are happening in my life, not just for myself, but for somebody else. Absolutely. That's sobering. 
And I think that goes back to our previous point where David had to know the principles of God in order to make the right decisions in his life. Well, if we know God's principles, then God is going to be able to use us as his means of directing someone else's life. If we don't know the principles, we're not going to be very effective tools in his hand. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a, a fabulous example of Abigail. I don't know why we keep coming back to David, but there's I so know. much <laughs> in his life. So David's looking after, I guess in a sense, Nabal, who has a great property. He's a shepherd. He has lots of sheep. And uh, as they would do in those days, they'd have their sheep shearing, and there'd be like a celebration for the successful year. And David had protected Nabal and his sheep. And David sends and says, can I have some of the bounty of the prosperity that's come from this. And Nabal says, no way, I'm not giving you anything. And David, actually, this is one of his weak moments, he actually is going to send and destroy Nabal and his household. He's got his men all prepared. Yeah, this is not a good thing. It's not a good a thing at all. David, yeah. So Nabal's wife, Abigail, learns of this, and she does the greatest thing. She loads up an animal with all the provisions and everything that probably her husband should have shared with David, and goes out to meet him. And her actions stop David from making a big mistake. Mm -hmm. And David, this is what he says to Abigail in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 25, verse 32. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion, and blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. Now, in that same chapter, it says that God stopped him. Well, how did God stop him? He used the wisdom of Abigail. Yeah. And we must all have people in our lives that that can give us yeah. good advice or, or that we can give to others. And just the circumstances that she was told, not her husband, and she kind of worked in the background. And yeah, mm -hmm. it's providential that God worked through Abigail to Absolutely. do that, to use her to... Yeah, it really David, opens yeah. your eyes to yeah. how God works in our lives. Yeah. Oh, I have another example. I think this one's even greater, I think, in the book of Esther. Like the whole book never even once has the name of God in it. But when you think about this hand of providence, it's well, there's everywhere no greater in that example, book, right? There's there? no, <laughs> it's, it's awesome. And you think about somebody who providence worked with to bring them to a moment. It wasn't just for one person. It was for a nation. Yeah. And so Esther had all these good things happen to her. She was made a queen in the court, right? And she had all these good things given to her, this position and everything. Life couldn't have been better for her, I guess, in everything that she had, in a very rich uh, lifestyle. But when you read that book, we realize that there's this threat against the Jews of a massacre amongst the Jews. And all of a sudden, she finds herself in this position where she can save her people. And she's wondering if she should do something about it. And it's her kin, Mordecai, who comes and tells her in chapter 4 and verse 14, if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so there was God working behind the scenes to yeah. put her in that position so that she'd be able to do the right thing at the right moment. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
But that would have taken courage, wouldn't it have? Oh, yeah. To go before the king? Yeah. To it, risk her life? It was. It was risking her life to go before the king. Yeah. So I see two things there, Tim. One is that we have to have the courage to take steps like that in the lives of our family members and, and people we love. Yeah. And the second thing is we have to know what advice to be able to give them. Because if we don't know the principles of Scripture, then we might actually be giving advice that goes against the will of God. Right. So what a responsibility and what a what a blessing to know that God's working in our lives. Right. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Dan. Yeah, this is a wonderful, wonderful study. And I think hopefully we've encouraged our readers really to kind of look out for it in their Bible studies. When they're reading the Bible, just look for that invisible hand of God. You'll find it everywhere. And for Dan and I, it's been such an inspiration, and hopefully it is an inspiration for you, the podcast listener. This isn't it, though, is it, Dan? There's another aspect of providence. We've run out of time in this episode, but we're going to come back in the next episode, and we're going to talk about God's hand in his work amongst the nations as a whole and how this whole aspect of the ways of providence in the world really can affect our whole worldview. It really becomes very practical about how we live and, and what we do in our lives. So, Absolutely. I think this next topic that we're going to look at is probably just as inspirational for us and, and just as comforting to know that not only is God directing our lives, but God is directing the world. And the events that are so scary to people don't have to be that scary when we know that God's directing them. Awesome. Yeah, look forward to it. We'd like to meet you. Every Tuesday night, we meet online for a Zoom Bible study. Come by and just say hi. It's an informal group discussion format where everybody is encouraged to ask questions and share their perspectives on the scriptures. I think you'll really like it. It happens every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. To get the Zoom meeting link, go to our website at www.essentialbiblestudies.org and fill out the form. Speaking of questions, if you ever have a question about the podcast or the subject matter, then drop it on us at our website contact form. Again, that's www.essentialbiblestudies.org. If you really like the show, then you can help us out big time by rating us. By giving us five shiny stars and a glowing review, it will help others to find us. Seriously, Apple and Google use them to boost placement in their searches. In the Apple Podcast app, just scroll down on the show to get to the ratings and review section and tap that fifth star. It only takes a minute, it's easy, and it works. Each episode of the podcast has some special artwork associated with it. If you'd like to see it, then you should follow the podcast on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. We post it when each new show comes out. This is a Christadelphian podcast supported by the Book Road Ecclesia in beautiful Ancaster, Ontario, Canada. Until next time, my dear friends, may God help you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.